going to invite you just to remain seated tonight because we're going to read the entirety of the account tonight in John chapter 11. And so it is long, but I want you to listen to the details that are here included and the way that God teaches us through them. This will also serve as the focus for our sermon tonight. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lazarus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in a day? Anyone who walks in the day, if anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, 
deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and who had seen what he did, believed in him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Well, as I, as I read this text in John chapter 11, I am, uh, I'm reminded of a certain truth, and the truth is this. There's a lot of stuff that I was taught that is no longer true anymore. Look, I know that for some of you, I'm not that old. For others of you, I'm old enough. And the truth is, stuff that I was taught in school, stuff that a lot of you were taught in school, is not true anymore, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a couple of examples. Here's the first one. Um, what are the colors of the rainbow? This is audience participation portion of the program. What? Roy G. Biv, right? We all learned Roy G. Biv, or many of us learned Roy G. Biv. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, blue indigo, violet. Here's the deal. There's no indigo. It's not real. They don't teach that anymore. I didn't know this. It's just a form of blue and purple, somewhere in between. And, the, and then if you do the research on this, you'll find out that it was Sir Isaac Newton who gave us these seven, that was six, that's seven, who gave us these seven. And the reason why he added indigo in was because seven is the number of perfection on earth in the Bible. And since he wanted that number seven to be part of it because all of those colors together when reflected make white, he wanted that to be pure perfection. So we added in a seventh color. Not only that, people debate whether orange is even a color. So all the stuff that we learned about colors is not true anymore, right? Stick with me, I got another one for you. What color is the blood in your body? Blue, I'm glad, see some of you guys went to the same school I did. All right, it's blue, but it's, it turns red when it hits oxygen, Thank, we went to the same school. This is not true, there's probably some doctors here in the room. Human blood is always red, always. And the truth is it's different on the charts so that we can see veins where the blood goes back and arteries where the blood comes out, but it's always, it's, all, it's, always, it's always blue. It's always red. The things you learn. I got one more for you. If you thought that wasn't bad enough, how about how many planets do we have? Thank you. We're bringing back Pluto. It's back, but it's not back. Because now we have these dwarf planets, and so there's all these things that happen, and some of the moons of some of the planets are bigger than the dwarf planets, and so what are we doing in our solar system? We're changing it. We're bringing back Pluto. That's right. See, we're gonna start a protest here, right here, right now. Right, these are all things that some of us were taught. And there's a lot that we think we know that we really don't. And one of the hardest things for us to do 
is to unlearn things that we thought we knew. One of the hardest things for us to do is to unlearn things that we were taught. I want you to keep that in mind because that could be a theme for our text for tonight. The sisters have to unlearn. The disciples have to unlearn. We have to unlearn when we see this text because the truth is the things that we thought were true aren't completely true. And it starts with this. The simple truth which kind of underlines the very beginning of our text that Jesus could have stopped the death of Lazarus. That Jesus could have healed him and by healing him he could have stopped this entire scene. That Jesus should have stepped in. After all, if anyone deserved a miracle it was him. What does the text tell us? Something that it tells us about precious few others in the New Testament. That on an individual level, on a friendship level, Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. There there are very few that it says that about. In fact, it doesn't say that Jesus loves all of his disciples the same way, only John. It doesn't tell us that Jesus loved all the people that he healed the same way. But here it's very clear. Jesus loves them. They're friends of his. They're they're close friends of his. Martha and Mary and Lazarus are people that we might say in our society today, they're people that have, have refrigerator privileges, right? People that they could go into the house and sit there for a while, and if they wanted to, they could get up and just go get something out of the refrigerator, and no one would bat an eye. Jesus loved them. And so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he did nothing. Why? I mean, he had been in the business of healing people. This was the third year of Jesus' earthly ministry. He had been healing people for a long time. They had seen what he was capable of. And yet when he received word that his friend Lazarus, whom he loved, was ill, Jesus did nothing. In fact, I find the words in verses 5 and 6 to be the most peculiar of the entire text. And I can't tell you why it's written this way, why John chose to write it this way. This is what it says. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, when he learned that Lazarus was sick, he stayed away two more days. The so in that sentence doesn't seem to fit. God so loved the world, so he sent his only son. That makes sense. Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, so he didn't go. He didn't show up. He didn't heal. Now, we could explain this the way that the disciples explain it, because he has to go to Judea in order to do this, and bad things have just happened in Judea. They've offered to stone Jesus to death. And so the disciples say, why would you possibly go there? We can't. If you go to Judea, you're probably going to die. We could explain it that way. We could understand that explanation. But here's the deal. Jesus doesn't even need to go there in order to heal Lazarus. At least three other times in his ministry up to this point, he has healed people merely by speaking the word. He was never even in their presence. Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. So from afar, he spoke the word, and Lazarus was healed. That's not what the text says, because that's not what Jesus did. Then all of a sudden, seemingly out of the blue, he decides to go. 
Lazarus has fallen asleep, he says. Enter the disciples' misunderstanding here. The disciples say, well, if he's sleeping, that's good, right? Because they knew even then, 2,000 years ago, that one who is sick, when they rest, can get better. We know that rest helps. Rest cures. If he's resting, then he'll get better. So Jesus has to be more clear. Lazarus has died. Shouldn't he have stopped this? Shouldn't he have healed Lazarus and stopped this death? But then he gives another so. He didn't heal Lazarus, and he didn't stop the death so that God's glory might be displayed. Now, I'm going to pause for a second. I'm going to return to this later. But understand, brothers and sisters, this doesn't mean that God is glorified in all deaths. We're going to talk about that in a minute. It's in this particular death where God will be glorified, where the Son of God will be lifted up because of it. It's this particular one that he's speaking of here. But he says it, nevertheless, that he is going and that he is glad that Lazarus dies so that they might believe. He's going to demonstrate something far greater than his ability to heal. And that's so important for us because his ability to heal and his willingness to do so is not a sign that there will be no illness in this world. It is not a sign that all illness in this world and all illness among believers will be taken away and that we will never have to deal with, with cancer or with any other type of disease that's debilitating. We'll never have to deal with it. It's not a promise of that. Instead, it's an indication that Jesus will one day make all things new. It's an indication that things are not as they should be in this world. It's an indication that this is going to be a moment when Jesus is going to confirm the power that he has so that we will know what eternity with Jesus looks like. They teach us that there's more to come. It's the first thing that they have to unlearn. It's the first thing that we have to unlearn when we face the text. That Jesus should have come, abolished illness, and Lazarus shouldn't have died. Here's the next thing. Death is the end. Why shouldn't they believe that? Why shouldn't all people believe that? It's clearly seen in humanity. Everybody has died. All those who have gone before us, they no longer walk the earth with us. Death is a reality for each one of us. Death is a reality for everything that lives. And so we know we will all die. So why shouldn't we believe that death is the end? And into the story we go, where we're reminded that Jesus was too late that Lazarus is already dead, that death has already dealt its final blow to Lazarus. And so the sisters then come to confront Jesus about this. And note this interaction, right? Because the first one who comes to Jesus is Martha. And this is what Martha knows. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. What Martha knows is that if Jesus had been present, he could have stopped the death, that the death wouldn't be the end. And she's still holding out hope, some way, somehow, that God will still be able to do something in this moment. Don't miss her faith. Don't miss her hope. 
Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. I love those simple words. I love those simple words because they remain true. They remain true at the graveside of every believer. Your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your friend, your son, your daughter, they will rise again. This is what Martha knows. Jesus, and then Martha again speaks. I know that he will rise again on the resurrection at the last day. What a beautiful statement of faith. But Jesus is going to say to her, what you think you've learned, it's not the whole story. There's more to this. Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Now, understand in the moment what these words must have sounded like to Martha. Understand that in the moment, as these words are falling on her ears, in some weird way, she has to believe that her brother is dead because her brother didn't believe in Jesus. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And now Martha is going to show what she has just learned from Jesus. Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. And I want you to notice what's missing from her statement of faith. What's missing from her statement of faith is what Jesus is about to teach her. That this moment belongs to Jesus, not just then. That this moment, Jesus is present as the resurrection. That in this moment, Jesus is the life. He has not just come as the Son of God to condemn. There's more to the story. There's more to the lesson. And then as this interaction breaks up in this moment, Martha goes back to her sister Mary and I love what happens here, and we don't have time to get into all the details, but then Mary gives her, it's her chance. Mary gives her shot at Jesus, and she doesn't fare much better. And I want you to notice that she says the exact same thing that Martha does. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. We're all the way back at the beginning with that first lesson that has to be unlearned. But Jesus' words to both of them make them rethink everything that they know. Death is not the end. There will be resurrection. What they don't understand, what they don't, what they don't realize yet is that Jesus is that day. I want to emphasize that for you. Jesus is the day of resurrection. Jesus himself is the resurrection and the life. That Jesus himself has the power over sin, death, and the devil. That Jesus himself is the life. And in him there is no death. And he is present in this moment. And because he is in Jesus, death is not the end. And then, then, brothers and sisters, pay attention, because then he proves it. Take me to the grave. Jesus, come and see. Prove it. 
take away the stone. And I love it because then Martha intercedes. The one who says, I know that you can do anything and that the Father will give you whatever you want, right? Then she intercedes. She says, by now, he's been dead four days, and I always have to give the King James version of this because it's so clear. He's been in the grave four days, and by this time, he stinketh. In other words, Jesus, all the stuff we talked about out there, I know it's true in general. I know it's true in theory but we're talking about reality here. He stinketh. The grave opened. Jesus speaks. Lazarus, come out. And it says, the dead man still bound in his grave clothes came out, obedient to the word of God. And Jesus, I think it's peculiar, says, unbind him and let him go. There are some moments of detail in the text that remind us that these are just human beings, right? And they are so shocked by what they see that no one goes up to the now alive man. And Jesus has to tell them, go take the grave clothes off. He's not dead anymore. Unbind him and let him go. He is free from death. Jesus proves that death is not the end, not for Lazarus and not for the people of God because Jesus is the resurrection. And because of that, we view death differently. Because of that, we behave differently. We don't fear the way that the world fears. That brings us to the last thing that I know, that I didn't used to know. The last thing that I thought was true, but wasn't completely true, and it's this. It's something that believers say in a somewhat flippant way. Death is nothing when Jesus is present. But I don't think we're called to get flippant about death. I I don't think we're called to be ignorant in the face of death. Death is not something that we should look forward to. Death isn't something that we should say this is part of God's plan because it isn't and wasn't part of God's plan. Remember that God is called the living God. In fact, that's what he calls himself. He is the living God. And death was not part of his plan. Death came along with sin. Death is a necessary part of life in this world so that we don't live eternally in our sin and brokenness. But it is not something that is good. Death is abhorrent to the living God. You want proof? We see it in the behavior of Jesus, who three times in this scene, it said, is stirred with emotion, overcome and moved by what he finds. A mixture, the text tells us, of anger and sadness. Jesus weeps. He weeps in the face of death. If death was nothing, then why is he behaving like this? He is, after all, present in the moment. We're reminded in the text that death stinketh. That death isn't something that we want to embrace. But on the contrary, 
It's something that must be overcome. And so if death is nothing, then why did Jesus overcome it? If death is nothing, why did Jesus endure it so that his death and by his death, our own deaths would be overcome? Why did he do this? Because brothers and sisters, he is the life. Death is not nothing. It's just not everything. And so we don't have to fear the way the world fears, even though fear might creep in. We don't grieve as the world grieves, even though we still grieve. Jesus wept, and we will too, even when Jesus is present. And so what do we need to learn? We need to learn from Jesus that death is not the end, that Jesus is the resurrection. There are lots of things in this life that we need to unlearn. Roy G. Biv and how many planets there are, but perhaps this is the most important. That the things we think we know about life and death in this world are not all true. And that we instead have to look to Jesus to learn the most important lessons. And the lesson that we learn in the story of Lazarus is this, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and that you, brother and sister, you will certainly rise on the last day, that you, brother and sister, are alive in Jesus right now, and that you, brothers and sisters, will never, ever be separated from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, these are the lessons that we need to learn, even if it's difficult for us to unlearn. And we learn them for this reason, so that we can have hope. Hope in what Jesus Christ is and hope in what Jesus Christ does. And so I think you'll join me in the prayer, Lord Jesus, teach us your way. For we trust that you are the resurrection and the life, now and for eternity. Amen.